Good morning. Joining me now from somewhere near Heartland, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Hey, Al, how are things out there? They're really good. Uh, I was able to, uh, my wife and I were able to attend Gully's farewell party, so that was nice. Ate a uh, Dunkin's Donut. I don't know if that's a donut. Or, you know, I'm not up on my pastries as well as I should be. There's that crossover thing, like between a Bismarck and a donut, and yeah. I never know what those things are anymore. But it it had KMSU on it with uh, Gully's. It was Gully's farewell. So long, nerds image that was on our T-shirts. So yeah, that was yeah. kind of the special so long Gully cake donut thing. There was a, um, I guess, humongous would be the right word, crowd there. There was, because, you know, Gully has touched the lives of so many people, and I was really thrilled to see there were students, past students from years ago, like way back from before, you know, in the year, the 2000s, and current students, and it just goes to show you how much and how beloved Gully was. And you were there, of course, and you've been one of our longest volunteers, along with our friend Barb Lampson, 35-plus years. And so it was great to see so many people to uh, wish Gully well. And I could tell the uh, college students because their plates were fuller <laughs> than other people. That's and true. I, I still remember being a college student and saying, you really that food's free over there and just saying man i'm i can get three meals right here out of that and you know now when you say i could get two meals out of something that includes a box that you take it home in when you're in college you get two or three meals just by sitting down and not eating nonstop for about uh, 45 minutes or so so but it, it was nice meeting a lot of the young folks they were incredibly nice and appreciated them it's a uh, i am seeing fledged starlings everywhere folks they are pale brown but they're pale brown to the point of appearing gray and i think starlings are beautiful and i can find beauty in most things i think it's uh, almost a duty of us to train our eye to find a beauty in most things and I visited with Lyanda Lynn Hout, and I visited with her. We were in Detroit Lakes, and we had uh, breakfast together at a hotel we were staying in up there. And uh, she's the author of Mozart Starling. And hmm. Her book explores the remarkable bond between bird and human. And Lyanda, just she's a sweetheart, and she has a pet starling, just as Mozart did. And Lyanda's bird is named Carmen. And one of the Latin's a tough language. Every language is. English is terrible. But there's a number of different meanings for a word. And one of them, the Latin word for song, is Carmen. So it was was kind of cool. And uh, starlings are amazing mimics. And I, I read Landis' book. I'm a big fan of her and of Mozart and really of starlings. Uh, there are certainly times when I wish they weren't here, but, you know, it's my father always told me to wish for things that have a chance of coming true. And, uh, you know, they're not going to go away. We brought them here, and so I guess the best we can do is probably enjoy them. For folks that are walkers like me, stable flies. Oh, my goodness. They attack my ankles. Um, my wife and I put some vanilla on our ankles just to see how that worked on stable flies, and Gail said, man, it, it, it seemed to work. Oh. They will bite you other places, but they really enjoy legs. <laughs> 
and they they resemble houseflies. So, folks, if you have like a housefly that lights on you, and you know we don't houseflies, they're just kind of bothersome. We just shoo them away. But all of a sudden, you get this painful bite. That's a stable fly. And again, they resemble houseflies, but they have checkerboard markings on the abdomen. And they have these bayonet-like mouth parts. I got one under a, uh, it wasn't quite a microscope, but it was close to it. And I looked at those mouth parts and, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. they, it's scary looking. They can make some horror movies, on, and they probably have. But they use these mouth parts to pierce the skin and to suck blood. And they're about a quarter of an inch long, these stable flies. They're sometimes called dog flies because of an appetite for canine blood. And their bites, both sexes bite. Now, so many insects, it's just a female. But in stable flies, both male and female bite. They will cause cattle to stamp their feet. They will cause horses to kick. They breed in moist, decaying organic matter, and that includes uh, lawn clippings. So they are just, uh, and if you're on a farm where you have uh, bedding of various kinds, uh, they were always like my chief nemesis, I guess, them and gnats, those two. When we were, uh, we got a nice, I, I was going to say, we were out to the compost pile just this week and taking some out, stuff out to the brush dump. And sure enough, I hadn't seen a bunch of these flies until we went by the, the compost area where all these grass clippings were. And all of a sudden, when we left, next thing we knew, we had these in the van because, of course, you had to open the, the, the windows of the doors to get in. But yeah, they were definitely in the clippings there and, and uh, in full force. And it's, um, yeah, that's a sad thing. I'm a composter, too, and, oh, boy, they just... Uh, they enjoy that. That's just right up their alley. <laughs> they they leave little thank you notes for me. <laughs> I got a postcard from John of New Ulm. He said June 19th was the first night he saw lightning bugs in his yard, and I'm guessing it was about probably right around that here, too, John. Mm-hmm. That a week ago he watched a good-sized turtle cross the street a few blocks away from Walmart. And you don't see many turtles in Walmart, so that's probably not where he was headed. Uh, John said, if I'd had gloves in a box, I would have helped it get to a pond a block away. I hope it didn't go down a curb storm drain it was going toward. A few days later, I saw another good-sized turtle on South Broadway dead. A car ran over it. Oh, that's sad. And a lot of times they're headed away from ponds. Um, the best thing, if we're going to help them, is always to... Help them in the direction they're going. And if you're going to help, a, like a snapping turtle, folks, be really careful because they, uh, they can bite. But they are going, a lot of them were going to lay eggs. So they know where they're going. And Don't they the lay their thing, eggs by ponds, though, or, or where do they actually usually go? Oh, I, it, I see them along trails a lot, oh. and the graveled roadsides of uh, roads, rural roads, they will lay eggs. Uh, raccoons can smell that, and I think sometimes they just see, well, something's been digging here, maybe I should dig in and see what it is. So raccoons are great predators of, oh. of turtle eggs in general. Uh, John also sent, uh, and he uh, self-proclaimed it as a bad joke. <laughs> what did one plate say to the other plate? What did and one plate idea, say to the other plate? <laughs> it said, dinner is on me. Groan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Linda Miller said, as we were sitting on our front porch this afternoon, this was on June 26th, a cedar waxwing sat down on the lawn in front of us. My husband had been hearing it, but it was the first we had actually observed. I appeared to have a mouthful of nesting material. Um, Marianne McDougall said, when I entered a roundabout, Oh, yeah. she didn't put down which roundabout. Boy, Mankato's getting a whole pile more roundabouts. Oh, We're yes. just, they're, they're everywhere. I drove through Blue Earth the other day. I, I love those roundabouts. I used to sit there waiting at those signs. Now I just kind of sail through, and it's, um, it's nice. <laughs> but she saw three unusual ducks in the holding pond. Hmm. So she, she says, I came around. I couldn't help but laugh as they were extra-large rubber duckies. Oh. <laughs> so I think, I think every one of the roundabouts has any water. It should be a law that they have rubber duckies in it. I think that would be very nice. Uh, Dan Dorrance said, While out in our pasture yesterday afternoon, shovel-chopping out a few thistles in the predominantly bromegrass pasture, and experienced an interesting encounter with a male bobolink. The bird was fairly close by, 10 yards or so, which suggested that maybe a nest was also near. While making a lot of noise, the bobolink was moving from grass stalk to grass stalk by walking only. It was so smooth and effortless, it was like it had long legs and was walking on the ground. Also nearby was a female bobolink, at which time I then retreated I've had bobolinks in the pasture each of the last 12 nesting seasons. We hold off any hay cutting till after August 2nd. And, and that is really cool, Dan. Nice. And I've been lucky enough. I remember being out in North Dakota with a busload of folks, and we set up a spotting scope. And we watched the bobolink do this grass walk that you're talking about. It walks from gla- grass blade a grass blade. Huh. This is like it's walking in air. It's just amazing. Uh, Jim Kerr of Gaylord sent a video of chipping sparrow nestlings, of course, all with their mouths open mm-hmm. and making noise that uh, uh, translated to feed me, feed me, feed me. Uh, Brandon Caswell said, I started out really early at Myrie Slough in Winnebago County. That'd be uh, just across the border into Iowa. I saw the black terns that are nesting there. The many fallow fields in the area are undoubtedly a boon to nesting grassland species this season. Season Most had sedge wrens. I was delighted to hear and see some Henslow sparrows at Smith Waterfowl Production Area, which is southwest of Forest City. I had no less than five along a short stretch of road. There were numerous bobolinks, sedge wrens, both meadowlarks, and nesting blue-winged teal at Smith. It's nice to see this protected waterfowl area as an umbrella for our more sensitive grassland species. Also of note, pheasants seem plentiful along most of the roads in the areas I burden. And Brandon, I just did a breeding bird survey. It'd be Seal County, Freeborn County, and Mauer County. And I heard a lot of uh, rooster pheasants calling, and I saw a lot of rooster pheasants. I saw no hens and no chicks whatsoever, just roosters. Hmm. Uh, Roger Davis in New Alm sent me a photo. Uh, He said he had one photo he's looking for. It had a fox squirrel, a gray squirrel, and uh, a reddish gray squirrel at his place. 
Uh, yeah, it was, it was a neat photo. Uh, gray squirrels can have very red fur. So you can have gray, I suppose if you're lucky enough, you can have gray squirrels, black squirrels, and reddish gray squirrels. They're all gray squirrels in the same area. Uh, Dave and Rachel Schur, uh sent a photo of a house rent with this gigantic caterpillar in its bill. I'm just picturing this tiny baby house wren in there, and mom or dad is coming in there, and you're squawking, you want something to eat, and you got the <laughs> biggest mouth, so you're going to get it, and he'd just get that shoved in there, and you'd spend the rest of the day trying to get that caterpillar down. And Karen, you sent something about these, they're called terror, terror balloon, T-E-R-R. R-O-R. Yeah, terror, terror balloons. They're, they're eyes. They look like these creepy eyes, and they're actually balloons. And the, and they're advertised as supposed, supposedly scaring off certain types of birds and, and other things. But I thought, oh, or are they just pretty balloons like, that look like an eyeball in the sky? They're kind of bright yellow, and they you could put them, and they're supposed to scare stuff away. And I was wondering, are those the kind of things that work, or are they like those fake owls where well, they really don't work? Yeah, boy, fake owls don't work at all unless they block an area. And um, some people have put them up like where barn swallows are nesting. And then they'll say, boy, that works. And I guess it does, but it it works because it blocks their entry in there so they can't get in there. So they're not scared of it because they'll perch on it. I have seen scare-eye balloons, and scare-eye balloons capitalize, uh, oh, it's these eye paintings, and then there's a lightweight of balloons that allows them to hang in almost any spot where I'm thinking people that want to get rid of downy woodpeckers drilling holes in uh, some of the siding of a house. So they will put these balloons out, and they are uh, they move in the wind, uh, and they don't take much time or energy in erecting them. Uh, recent versions have seen an addition of mylar tails as well to improve their lifelike posture and and make them appear more threatening. And you can use them in homes, gardens, doorways. Uh, I tried them on our old house, and I did not have any luck. Oh. I've heard from people that go both ways, say, yeah, they worked, and yeah, they don't. You know, if we have a woodpecker that's bothering us and we put something up and then he stops, you know, a Cooper's hawk could have got him too. So we can't generally say, well, he's gone. Well, these terror eyes, they're a little different because they have holographic eye designs with reflective mirrors that appear to follow the birds in all directions. We've all been by those paintings with the eyes when we walk by and say, it's like it's following me across the room. Well, that's what these things are supposed to do. And they also have really bright colors and at all angles, meaning that a single terror eye deterrent can cover a large area probably more effectively than these other balloons. And then it also moves with the wind and it gives them kind of a predator-like features so that's a real long answer that really isn't an answer because I don't know about these terror eyes. I've not seen them, so I know the scare balloons did not work for me, but this is uh, a step up. I, I was so wishing it would work with the deer and the squirrels and the chipmunks that are just loving my gardens this year. It's just, they're just relentless, Al. 
and uh, boy, you know, squirrels and chipmunks, I can't imagine it working on no. them. They just, you know, they're so used to bouncing around in our gardens and seeing everything in there that, but if anyone has tried these things, and uh, yes, yay or nay on them, I'd love to hear. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, Rick Mammel of Albert Lee said, I was serenaded by an owl perched in a large burr oak tree by our bedroom well into the early morning pre-dawn hours. It was absolutely wonderful. Its vocalizations were so soothing and therapeutic, at least for me. While I have heard owls far in the distance at times, this was the first occasion to have one so nearby since we arrived here from our state over 10 years ago. We're hoping one more may be establishing a nest site nearby and continue to soothe us in the future. Some dueling owl calls would also be very appreciated and entertaining. As birds are invariably such interesting creatures, owls possess such unique features and behaviors, as you certainly know. So have a hoot and enjoy. Rick didn't tell me what kind of owl it was. So Probably a great horned owl, although it could be a, a barred owl. Uh, Joel Eastville, and I think Joel lives in Oatana, sent a photo of a spider and asked for identification. It was a fishing spider, brown and tan in color, and it's a big spider with, uh, if leg span is a word, it has a three and a half inch leg span. So uh, I, I've always heard they'll cover your palm. I, yeah, it's pretty much, I mean, they don't cover the fingers and everything, but they probably could cover a palm. They're just, they are big, big spiders. They're the biggest spider we're going to see in Minnesota, and they're called fishing spiders because they're often found near shallow ponds of water, and they fish for tadpoles, small fish, minnows primarily probably, and aquatic insects, and they're allowed to fish without a license because they're a spider. And fishing spiders have the ability not only to dive into the water, they can walk on the water. I've seen them do it. It's just really neat. They do not build a web for hunting, but they make a nursery web for the babies to be in. And these, um, they're shy, but can they bite? Oh, if they're threatened, they certainly could. I talked to a guy who uh, uh, he takes pictures of spiders for books and things, and he has been bitten by them, and he said it's equivalent to a bee sting. So he said it didn't bother him very much, and he was uh, he, he was kind of he said there's not a whole lot of people have been bitten by fishing spiders, so he kind of wore it as a medal of honor. Stan Fitz. Stan lives down in Rockford, Iowa. Stan and I have been buddies for, oh, about 100 years, I think. He had uh, uh, Rockford Reading Gardens in Rockford, Iowa, or Fitz Reading Gardens in Rockford, Iowa, for I don't know how many years, long, long time, and we would take bus tours down there to walk through this garden. That's when I first met Stan. But Stan asked he, uh, how to stop a cardinal from pecking at a window. And Stan, cardinals have jobs. <laughs> you know, bird seed doesn't pay the bills, so the redbirds punch in each day by leaving an imprint on your window. Uh, many cardinals have found gainful employment as promoters of Windex usage. So if you take a handsome, lovesick bird and you add a taunting window showing reflected images of another handsome, lovesick bird, 
you have a recipe for disaster, or at least for a dirty window. And it isn't self-loathing that causes this behavior. A cardinal fights with a window in order to defend his territory. It sees a reflection in a window or a mirror and hits it like a bumper car gone berserk. And the bird is unable to differentiate between a real bird and an image of itself. Uh, one, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but one fought with the baby moon hubcaps on my 1959 Rambler because nothing makes a 1959 Rambler a muscle car like equipping it with baby moon hubcaps. And this battling with windows, though, may persist. If you place something over the outside of the window, this breaks the reflection but the bird may move on to the next window. If a bird looks hard enough for a fight, it will find one. The window covering could be plastic cling, which I found works pretty well, or cardboard. And the window could be soaped or ribbons could be hung over it. This will make Martha Stewart shudder wherever she is. Uh, Covering the inside of the window often enhances the image. A friend told me that he placed a small mirror near the cardinal's preferred feeder, and the redbird fought with that mirror (laughs) and ignored the house windows. So you could try intervention, counseling, or enrolling the cardinal in an anger management class, but patience is probably the best solution. Sooner or later, the fighting stops. Some studies have found that cardinals spend the entire year with the same partner, saying they mate for life, brings to mind thoughts of a feathered Jessica Tandy and a vivid red Hume Cronin sharing sunflower seeds at the feeder. But there aren't many long-lasting relationships among cardinals because the life expectancy of a cardinal is short. So this means any cardinal that hangs in there for a few years could have a wedding album filled with photos (laughs) of varied mates. Oh, and Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin, they were actors who were married to each other for over 40 years, believe it or not. Uh, Somebody was talking and um, sent me some photos of um, all the monarch butterflies on their milkweed, on their swamp milkweed. And they asked, what generation of butterflies fly south? And, oh, it just, it hurt to think about that already, them going south. They they just get here, and and we think, oh, you know, sooner or later, some of these butterflies are going to leave. Well, the monarch butterflies that emerge in the middle of August or later are those that migrate. And those guys could live eight to nine months once they get out of here. So, but, oh, it's just too early just to think about them leaving. We hardly knew you, and then you're gone. I'm seeing a lot of them on my swamp milkweed, too. Uh, the common milkweed got off to a really slow start again this year because uh, the rabbits were eating it once again. They love those nice, tender leaves when the common milkweed comes up. They don't seem to bother the swamp milkweed at all. So the last couple years, most of my monarch caterpillars have been coming from swamp milkweed. So I'm very appreciative of this. It has more pointed leaves and a uh, different color of flowers on there. But 
Speaking of, of insects and crawling things, I've started to see earwigs again. And remember the oh. one, was it a couple years ago when they were just so bad? And I've been hearing gardeners talk up north uh, of us talking about seeing some Japanese beetles. I have not yet seen any, and I hope I don't. But I know the insects, because of all this moisture, that makes some of them more prevalent. Is it going to be a bad year for earwigs is what I'm wondering about. And is there anything we can do about to stop them from maybe reproducing so much? Yeah, I I suppose if you have, you know, they like all kind of moist areas. Mm-hmm. They like um, dead vegetation, that sort of thing, which means it's impossible to clean everything up to get them out of there. Yeah, I know a couple of years ago they called me from a, um, a nursing facility, nursing home. And they said, "Come down. We have these things all over." <laughs> and I and, and another one called. And I went to the first one, and they were millipedes. Oh. And I went to the next one; they were earwigs. So they uh, they were in the same facility, uh, but they were two different buildings, and they had two kind of different insects that were specializing in uh, annoying the residents. Does so. m- do millipedes do anything harmful? Are they harmful to plants or people or anything? Yeah, they're little vegetarians, so Oof. they're not going to bother much of anything. They get eaten by centipedes. Oh. Centipedes are predators and prey on the poor little millipede who has his defense. He rolls up into kind of a little ball and hopes things leave him alone, and well, that doesn't always work. What eats earwigs? Like, you know, I don't know then a whole lot. I'm sure maybe a centipede would if they hmm. could. Uh, centipedes are amazing predators. I don't know that there's a whole lot of things that uh, bother earwigs a whole lot. And I see them in in common milkweed and somewhat in, in swamp milkweed, too. They'll get in there. And Japanese beetles, oh, folks, I hope nobody has Oof. any Japanese beetles. They are just... I. You know, I try to say something nice about everything, but it's real hard to say anything nice about Japanese beetles. Um, the grubs get in the lawn, so they can be a problem in the lawn. And what eats the grubs? Boy, they tell us starlings, grackles, crows, meadowlarks, catbirds, gulls, pheasants, chickens, ducks, geese, guinea fowl, skunks, raccoons, and moles are all predators. Well, they aren't doing uh, their job is what I can say, at least last year for sure. <laughs> they weren't. Yeah, no, it, last year was just, uh, it, it was incredible. They were uh, everywhere you looked, um, and they, I don't know what plants they will not eat. I, I saw a list one day, and I want to say it was like 400 plants on that list, and I'm sure it wasn't uh, an exhaustive list of what they eat. So I think it's like eat. I think it's like bunnies where if you, you know you're hungry enough, you eat everything. Or if you're a deer and you, they say deer resistant, if you're a deer and you're hungry, you'll eat it. So I really think there's nothing off limits. And I got a lot of photos from folks last year saying. These beetles are so beautiful. What kind oh. are they? And, uh, and they are. There's kind of a oh, oh, sheen. They've got that look. metallic sheen. Yeah. Yeah, they, and they are pretty, but they just. Um, and I, I stopped at one uh, at a beautiful public garden on Highway 13, and uh, there's a garden club that takes care of us, Schaff Gardens outside of Albert Lee, and they put in so much time working on all that stuff and. The Japanese beetles were just on everything, so, and I, I knocked a bunch of them off and tried to get rid of a few, but uh, yeah, they just there's so many of them. 
I do hope that everyone will come to the cafe today. Uh, maybe Gully will show up today <laughs> for his last visit. At the cafe where the food chain is missing a few links, the specials, always Heimlich Maneuver and Gravy is considered a beverage, and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. I'd been out the door at 4 a.m., I'd awaken without an alarm clock, as I tend to do when I look forward to something. I don't know if you're like me. I'll set that alarm clock. I know i got to be up at uh, 3.45. I'll invariably wake up before that, but I don't dare not set it, because then I know I won't wake up before that. Why was I out at 4 a.m.? There were birds that needed they needed counting. They were counting on me. I did a breeding bird survey in June. I've been doing the same route for many years. I counted birds for three minutes each at 50 regular stops. At one stop, a fox squirrel walked down a farm drive and right up to my car, and it gave me a baleful look while sitting up on its rear legs. I I worried it was going to jump in the car. It, it seemed that way. But satisfied that I was a harmless man who had been fairly warned, the squirrel ambled back up the drive from whence it had come. It obviously was a watch squirrel. <laughs> Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Karen, for your wonderful company. Uh, gully, happy trails. Folks, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Al. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. I look forward to it. Thanks, Karen. Bye.